and welcome to episode 16 of the Long Story Short podcast with myself, your host, Vicky Cornick. I am so excited to be chatting to Ashling Fox, who you also might know as AOK Nutrition on Instagram. Ashling is a nutritional therapist, herbalist, and set up her clinic AOK Nutrition back in 2014. Ashling also hosts Spilling the Tea with AOK Nutrition, a female health focused podcast where she chats about all things hormones, vaginas, periods, sex, fertility, and so much more. Essentially, spilling the tea on all of the things that we should have been taught in school. On today's podcast, we talk all about acne, where the root causes of your acne might be coming from, and the number of ways in which you can help improve and cure your acne. I really hope you enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening. Hi, Ashling, and welcome to the Long Story Short podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to have a chat with you today. I am also so excited to have a chat with you. And I know what we are going to be talking about, our listeners will find incredibly useful. Um, But before we get into things, Ashling, can we just start with who you are, what you do, and who it is that you work with? Yeah, of course. So my name is Ashling Fox now. I used to be Ashling O'Kelly, which is where AOK Nutrition came from. Um, I'm a nutritional therapist. I'm a herbalist. I have a clinic based in Port Marnock in County Dublin in Ireland. And I've been a nutritional therapist for about eight years. And in the last, say, like two years, I went back then and I studied herbal medicine. So in my clinic, we look at kind of trying to find the root of the problem. We deal with everything from gut issues to hormonal imbalances. I think recently I've kind of fallen more into the world of hormonal health and I deal a lot with fertility, acne, which I know we're going to talk about a good bit today, and PCOS, heavy periods, kind of that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I suppose that's a, that's a, that's the short version, I guess, of, of who I am. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah. And like all of my clients are women. And so I definitely know this will be a really, really useful um, podcast for them. And like you said, we're going to touch on um, acne, which is such an interesting topic. I actually listened to your podcast on acne and I was blown away by so many just nuggets of information that you have um I myself have been very lucky like throughout my teenage years and you know I'm, I'm 24 now so into my you know early 20s I've never really struggled with acne I did what comes to mind now have one kind of acne flare-up which I was put on antibiotics for and that was it but I do know that acne for a lot of people teenagers going into their you know early 20s and correct me if I'm wrong but like even women in their later you know 30s early 40s can struggle with with acne um but I suppose let's you know kind of briefly um discuss what causes or what can cause acne in the first place and what are the different types yeah I guess starting on this is such an important question because from my perspective there's a lot of different reasons why people get acne um now I'm not against medicine my mum used to be a nurse she's now a herbalist we, we own our clinic together so I'm very respectful of medicine and and like doctors and things like that but the same approach kind of goes for everyone like if you've you've acne going to doctor you're going to be given the pill or going to even into antibiotics regardless of what I would call the root cause whereas people come into me and I see acne from kind of a few different perspectives and where one I would look at gut health because gut makes up 80 percent of your immune system so if your skin isn't healing if it's constantly flaring up if it's reacting to certain things that's generally an immune response so we're definitely looking at things like gut health here we're looking at um diet as in like are you feeding all the healthy bacteria we're looking at possible food intolerances we're looking at the use of medications and antibiotics and even birth control can impact your gut health so that's one side of it and obviously in that as well is going to be things like poor gut health in terms of 
constipation or diarrhea or reflux or digestive issues because that in itself is a sign that your body's not essentially working the way it should be so that's really really important first of all is looking at good health and then I look at hormonal imbalance and with hormonal imbalance there's also a few different reasons why skin flares up it's not just as easy as thinking okay this hormone is at play so if I see someone and their skin is bad for the whole month it doesn't matter where they are in their cycle whether they're ovulating whether it's day before their period whether their period is four days ago um you know if their skin is bad the whole time generally from my perspective that's normally linked with high testosterone levels um which is that kind of real painful cystic under the skin acne um acne linked around your cycle so if you fab skin for most of the month and then literally the week before your skin's breaking out I would see that more linked to PMS so that you know you might also get things like sore boobs you might get menstrual migraines or you might get low mood as well and then you're like oh fuck's sake my skin's also flaring up so that's a completely different treatment or approach as if someone had high testosterone levels um, and then there's a hormone called prolactin which is something that's really not spoken about I only released a podcast myself on this last week or two weeks ago um, on high prolactin and high prolactin prolactin is a hormone basically and normally when you see prolactin is when women are breastfeeding and what happens is breast um, prolactin when it's high will stop you from getting your period so high prolactin can often cause irregular cycles or it can actually cause um acne as well because it actually increases a type of androgen on the skin which can increase acne and the reason why this is so important is it always gets missed like it's mm. uh, it's never checked on blood so I'm always really really strict at my clients with acne for getting bloods and I'm like make sure your doctor checks these things so I guess those kind of four scenarios are are the the, the main things I would see quite common and obviously then as well we have things like post-pill acne which actually would fall into the category of high testosterone levels but it's it's driven by post-pill rather than high testosterone from kind of lifestyle imbalances basically okay wow so from what I can understand there with what you've explained like a lot of it can be to do with you know women's cycle and basically it's it's hormonal how would that differentiate from men who who have acne just I know that's kind of quite off topic because most of our listeners are going to be women but um would that still be down to usually like a hormonal imbalance or yeah absolutely so again with men kind of more two more common things than like looking at obviously a link with your cycle normally it's men linked with high testosterone levels yeah so if you've that real cystic acne like I even know like if I'm thinking about like lads in school they would have had breakouts going through puberty and things like yeah, that when testosterone's yeah. through the roof or bacterial infections as well so like the acne antibiotics work for are the ones that are caused by infection so Again, that's going back to poor gut health. Like, you know, when you're sick, you take an antibiotic, it works because you have bacterial infections. So if someone's on an antibiotic for their skin, again, it's bacterial infections. So we are looking at poor gut health and like, you know, maybe a lot of lads don't really eat properly. They're not looking after themselves. Like, you know, so it kind of falls into the kind of similar category. But yeah, it's a really similar approach kind of for, for male and female. Just the only difference is with women that we're, if it's focusing on the cycle, it's obviously more specific to what we would do for that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So talking about gut health, because obviously gut health is so important for so many things. uh, But like that, you said, especially when it comes to acne. So I suppose every client that you work with is going to be totally different, which we've briefly touched on, depending on the type of acne they have or what their lifestyle is like now. Um, But when it comes to gut health, what are some of the things that we can do when it comes to our gut to you know, I suppose help um, cure cure acne or help improve it. Um, 
the main goal is to keep your gut as happy as possible mm. and to constantly try and be repopulating all of our healthy bacteria, all of our enzymes, um, all of our like good, good gut bacteria, like I said. Sorry, probiotics is your thing, sorry, that came into my head there. Um, so if we understand things that kill them off, the first thing is going to be the use of medications and that can be anything from being on medication for thyroid. It could be on birth control. Birth control is a frustrating one because it's just something that we're not really educated on. Like people now will be more aware of things like antibiotics, but they wouldn't be aware that, oh, actually taking the pill every day is going to impact your gut health. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. So I'm really strict on that. I'm like, if you're on birth control, you need to take um you need to take a probiotic and this is a birth control like oral birth control that you put into your mouth it's different if you're on something like the bar or the marina coil because that doesn't go through the liver pathway the same way that like oral contraceptives do so now we look at medications even something as basic like are you relying on hay fever medication for half the year do you eat painkillers every pain every period or even like are you hung over three days a week and you're taking loads of panadol then or do you know that kind of way so we look at drugs first and medications Secondly, then we look at your environmental toxins. So things like plastics coming from, say, like reusing water bottles or reusing plastic, I don't know, Tupperware in the microwaves, um, pesticides on foods, chemicals and cleaning products. Like we really, really come in contact with a lot of chemicals in our in our lifestyle now as well. That will impact good health. Um, mold I know this is really random but a lot of people like you know I see a lot of college students and they live in like really really old houses like they were built years ago and they're really damp and there's mold in the house and like that is so so detrimental like black mold or even like any kind of mold to gut health so that's another really interesting so area because that's like yeah I, I feel personally when I think of gut health I think what am I putting into my body Mm. never I never have even thought about what are my surroundings or my what's my environment like so that's really interesting yeah really really important and your body can process these things like we're designed we're amazing like we're unbelievable creatures but if you're constantly bombarding yourself imagine you're sleeping in a bedroom with mold and you're wearing loads of makeup and loads of tan loads of hairspray and nail varnish and perfume every single day and you're using loads and loads of hand sanitizer every day and you're using mouthwash every single day and you're drinking from the same plastic bottle every day like that's a lot of chemicals in and we haven't even looked at diet do you get me yeah. like so it really does add up and then lastly which is what you probably thought like is kind of more obvious answer is looking at your diet because I know it's such a boring answer and like you know like as nutritionists what's your one number one like thing but I'm like eat different variety of fiber because each different type of fiber feeds a different type of gut bacteria that's the best mm -hmm. way I describe it so if you're someone who has a fussy diet and you're not really mad into fruit and veg I hear that quite a lot and your gut will actually um, suffer. And I find it's when people get older, like you actually might get away with it when you're a little bit younger. But once you get into your 30s, like the people who have been fussy eaters, it starts to catch up on them because mm -hmm. your gut, like I said earlier briefly, but most of your gut is your immune system. So 80% of your gut is your immune system. And then the other major job for gut health is for your mood. So we have a hormone called serotonin, which is that happy hormone. And only 20% of your serotonin is made in your brain that yeah the rest of it is made in your gut so you know you might not have bloating and diarrhea but you might have really bad anxiety you might have suffered with low mood or you know what I mean sleep issues and like that it's all linked in together so yeah. it's really really important that we focus on gut health and they're kind of the main tools that we look at first yeah because like I'm sure people have heard like your gut is, sec is essentially your second brain brain yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and we yeah. all know that feeling when we're 
really stressed I mean I'm probably that person that when I'm really stressed I like overeat and I like that's you know my way of of dealing with stress sometimes but uh, a lot of people completely like avoid food they just can't because they just feel that their their gut is like they're stressed in that stress state um so yeah that's really really Mm. interesting so um obviously like that you said you know when it comes to fiber like getting different types of fiber it's great if people are getting in fiber but we need you know loads of color loads of variety which is um yeah, really, really important. Um, so are there any supplements you'd recommend? And I always kind of think like supplements are the last thing you kind of want to touch on. Obviously, I, I personally like to go with a food first approach with clients um, or with anyone that I'm kind of talking to nutrition about. But um, supplements can be beneficial, you know, where they're needed. Anything that you would you would recommend? Um, for gut health? For gut health and acne if if there is any. Yeah, there's loads of different ones kind of for acne. For gut, it kind of, I know like that's a very unsexy answer. It does depend on the person. I do find probiotics brilliant. I know there's kind of controversy around probiotics because, you know, there's kind of different types for different things. Um, I use acidophilus quite a lot. Like it's a, it's a nice balancer kind of probiotic that helps support um, just general gut health absorption nutrients. I find that really, really good for clients, especially if they're on birth control. So like, again, any of my clients on the pill, I'm like non-negotiable, you take a probiotic. You just, it's just, you just have to. I think it's just, I think this will slowly come to play in the next couple of years, but even the medical profession kind of understanding this a little bit better. Um, in relation to acne then, I'm completely in agreement with you. Definitely first food first approach. But then again, I'm like, thank God we have supplements for certain things. Mm -hmm. So uh, zinc is super, super important for skin because zinc is for oil control. Um, it helps repair all the pro- all the tissue in the body, including your skin. So a lot of people's issue with acne is it's their their acne might be gone, but they leave like red marks in their skin. It doesn't heal mm-hmm. properly. Um, zinc also helps lower testosterone levels, and I'm sure we'll talk about post pill acne today. But this is a really really common thing post pill. That what happens mm-hmm. is the pill, one of its annoying side effects, among other things, it will actually deplete your zinc levels. So that's actually another thing, non-negotiable on birth control is zinc. I find out with my clients. So you come off the pill, your testosterone surges, which is quite common, and you have no zinc to be found because you're, you're on the pill, you're after depleting your zinc. So the thing that your body needs the most, your body doesn't have. So it's really, really important. I find zinc quite hard to get from people's diets. Like it's really common in things like seafood. You can get some of it from your meat. Um, I find most people are deficient in zinc, even if they are eating generally well. I used to do like a zinc taste test, like a liquid zinc, and I guess people to taste it. So I just know this from years working with clients and getting people to taste zinc that like, I'd say nine out of 10 people were low in zinc, regardless of how good their diet was, which is just so interesting. I think a lot of that is even down to like soil quality and you know what I mean? Like the actual, the goodness in our food now isn't the same as it was even say 20 years ago. Yeah. So zinc is an amazing supplement for your skin. Um, Omega-3 fish oils is another thing as well because it's anti-inflammatory. So anything at all in the body that's red, that's sore, that's swollen, that's inflamed, that's painful, omega-3 is going to help. So even if that's period cramps or aches and pains or a red rash or acne. So omega-3 is super important and you're going to really only get omega-3 from oily fish. So I'm sure you even see it with your own clients, like how many people are eating salmon three times a week? Like... Exactly, exactly. So definitely worth worth taking yeah, omega-3. Absolutely. If your skin is red and inflamed. Um, and then kind of going back to what we said, start in relation to the root problem. So like if we're seeing someone and their skin is only fair enough before their period and they're absolutely fine the rest of the month, 
we've been linking that with PMS, so premenstrual syndrome. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, PMS is linked with stress, right? So for this person, do they need a B-complex to help with stress levels? Do they need a magnesium? Um, I am a herbalist, so I obviously use a lot of herbal medicine here as well for skin, um, whether it's something for liver support for skin, high testosterone levels for stress, for redness, for, you know, whatever it is. But generally, my like my go-to would kind of be the zinc, the omegas, um, maybe a magnesium for stress, um, vitamin D, I have to show that in there as well, mm. because vitamin D, is one of the most anti-inflammatory supplements there as well. So if you're lacking in vitamin D, your immune system cannot put out the fire properly. It really can. So it's really, really important to get the basics right and make sure you've enough vitamin D. I think like from just based on who I've had on the podcast, which is a lot of like female health nutritionists and just, you know, people in the health and fitness industry in general, everybody swears by vitamin D. It's something that comes up whenever I ask about supplements. Like everybody's like vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin D. It's so important, isn't it? It's it's what it does for us. I always say, I think by calling vitamin D a vitamin has undermined how important it is. I actually think vitamin D acts more like a hormone in the body. So like if you're low in a hormone, you're like, like people react, people go, oh my God, like if you're low in thyroid hormone, the doctor gives you medication for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you're low in estrogen, you don't get your period. So it's funny how by calling it a vitamin, we've kind of just put it in there with your vitamin B and vitamin C and, but actually it, it's so detrimental if you don't have enough vitamin D from your mood, from your immune system, from inflammation in your body like it it has so many jobs calcium absorption like it's really really important brilliant brilliant no yeah that's so so interesting um can I ask what are your thoughts on I know this is a really common I suppose um protocol for people to take but uh what are your thoughts on dairy being linked to acne I hear so many people say I've got acne I decide to cut out dairy what are your thoughts if dairy caused acne, then everyone who drank milk would have acne. Okay. So dairy does not cause acne. Can it make acne worse for certain people? One million percent. Mm-hmm. It is the first thing I look at for clients in most cases. Um, but it's not always the root cause for any everyone. The the kind of the the classic kind of person I would see the dairy is affecting I always call them snotty kids to start off with okay I heard so, that on your podcast yeah I, I was like oh, that's so, so <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of like a pattern so as a child they're always gonna have like a lot of ear nose throat maybe grommets tonsillitis you know chest infections maybe a lot of antibiotics or just always just like an upper respiratory kind of thing um then they might have eczema or psoriasis or some sort of psoriasis dermatitis in the family. Like I'm an ISIS as well. It could be that you were fine, but your brother was snotty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there could also be hay fever in your family. And then as you get older, then this kind of snotty nose kids will turn into things like acne or if you're female and might turn things like really heavy, painful periods, you know, a lot of hormonal issues. So when I see that kind of family history, they're the people I would take dairy away from first. Mm-hmm. Um, and the results are absolutely insane. Like, honestly, like I get, ex- when I see clients who come to me and they have eczema ticks and they've hay fever and they have tonsillitis or say like they got their tonsils out years ago, I look at their food diary and they're having five cups of tea a day with milk and they're having Greek yogurt every day and they're on whey protein and they're coming to me for acne. I am like, I cannot wait to talk to these in six weeks and for me to change your lives. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even being dramatic. It's, 
insane how quickly it can help skin but obviously if that's the thing driving the issue so yeah. it doesn't doesn't cause it for everyone but for the people it is causing it for it it will make such a big difference when they come off it and when you talk about those kind of other symptoms of like you know sinus problems maybe skin problems or like uh, eczema or psoriasis as well does cutting out would you see cutting out dairy help those problems as well does it kind of just help everything or is it just specifically the the acne that it would that it would help yeah no literally would help everything so I would say it puts out the fire and the fascinating thing about the cow's milk is it's only cow's milk that's the problem so cow's milk protein is has a thing called a1 casein protein it's a structure of the protein that causes they lights the fire whereas my same clients can have things like feta and they can have sheep's milk and they mm-hmm. can have you know buffalo mozzarella and halloumi and their heart's content and their skin is fine so it's not even like we're putting them on like a dairy-free diet and they're like yeah. oh my cheese and like some people I see are cheese obsessed they actually like yeah I can have goat's cheese and feta if and I was told mozzarella. I couldn't have cheese I don't know what I'd do yeah <laughs> yeah that's great to know it's yeah like, it's not everything it's just like the cow's milk you know so that makes it a little bit easier for people absolutely no and yeah. would it be a case of is that forever or is it until their symptoms clear and they can go back to it and eat like I suppose like um gradually introduce it again or what how would you approach yeah. that you took the question right in my mouth I was just gonna say this <laughs> next I always say like give this another 10 years and I my guess is that this casein allergy will be seen the same way gluten is seen so like gluten intolerance or celiac disease is a reaction to the protein in the grain this casein is the protein in the milk it's the exact same kind of structure mm. and no matter how much gut repair we do, you cannot eat gluten if you're celiac. So it's kind of something that you maybe can try and reduce it down. So some people I see, like, they're like, oh, I just have, you know, drop my cup of tea, but they have four cups of tea a day. So I'm like, but you're lighting that fire every four hours, even though it's just a drop of milk. I'm like, you know, the fire is lit or it's not. Do you get me? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of my clients going forward, they'll never be able to eat it generally, like to a massive portion, but like they might be able to get away with having a pizza on a Friday. And once they don't go up on the Saturday and have Greek yogurt and milk, you know, with their tea and cheese and they can kind of get away with it. But mm-hmm. generally, if they react to it, it's kind of always going to be a reaction there and they're probably going to pass it on to their kids and their mm-hmm. kids are going to have it. Apparently it's four out of 10 people in Ireland react to this casein. So it's quite common. And obviously, because we yeah. all like marry each other as well, that like, you know, we're never like breaking, breaking that. Yeah. Uh, you know what well, I mean? Yeah. I, I just hear from so many people. They're just like, oh, cut out, I'm going to cut out dairy and whatever. It's maybe cured or they're thinking about it or, or whatever. So it's a really, I, I hear it a lot from people like that. You're saying four, four out of 10, which is, yeah. yeah. A lot and the other thing as well, just to mention, like some people get confused is it's actually different to lactose. So like a lot of my clients, like lactose kind of upsets more digestion, whereas casein doesn't really, it's not really linked to a kind of digestive issues Mm -hmm. as such, like I haven't mentioned digestion. So why people come to me and they're on, let's say they had issues with dairy and then they were like, oh, I only have like white isolate now and I have like Greek yogurt and I'm fine. My my digestion is fine, but their skin is still bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, because you've no lactose, so your digestion's fine, but you still have the casein. Like lactose free still means there's casein in it. So just be careful for anyone listening as well that like, just because, you know, you're tolerating it and you're fine doesn't mean that your skin is tolerating it okay. Yeah, so, so interesting. Mm, yeah. Um, you briefly touched on the pill. So obviously you were saying, and I take a, an oral contraceptive. I actually previously took a different pill. I've had geez, a whole history with my, um, you know, pills and HA and all of that. And I've been put on so many different pills that work great for me for 
one to two months and then they just work horrifically so that's still a journey that I'm I'm still working through but I was on one and I can't I can't remember the name of it but it actually made my skin flare up um Mm. and I went straight to my doctor I think I was only like 17 18 at the time and they just said right that pill's not for you (laughs) on to the next one which thinking about now I'm like what the hell like I just I wish I kind of knew what I knew today but anyways um what are your thoughts uh for people who have acne and the answer is right we're going to put you on the pill to solve that I think the biggest thing to understand is the pill will never fix your skin generally Mm -hmm. I'll use that phrase with a pinch of salt because maybe there is some people who their skin isn't perfect when they've come off it again the pill is unbelievable for helping to support acne for as long as you're on it so I'm like thank god we have the pill I think sometimes I seem very anti-birth control which I'm not at all I'm like oh my god amazing we don't have to get pregnant and we can use this medication as a temporary fix like it's hard enough being a teenager about being a teenager with acne like do you know what I mean so isn't it brilliant we have it but it's this false sense of hope that oh my god my skin is better now and the pills that generally work for skin are things like Dianet and Yasmin and Yasminel so they're the three like the big ones right so like you might have been given Microlite or you might have been given Microgynon or like the mini pill and they generally don't do anything for skin Mm -hmm. right so the problem is how the pill works then for skin is number one it suppresses your oil production so a lot of people's skin it's from excess sebum your your pores are getting blocked so obviously that increases the risk of acne so the pill reduces oil it switches off hormones so you no longer have to worry about you know the pms and your skin breaking it before your period it also reduces your testosterone levels which you mentioned earlier so you're not getting that like under the skin cystic acne um so it's brilliant for as long as you're on it Mm. but this is the problem like you can't stay on the pill forever and i find when you come off it I've seen honestly hundreds of clients who get this post-pill acne. And for some people, which is even more frustrating, they just got put in Yasmin as a contraceptive. They had no issues. They went in, didn't want to get pregnant and they were handed Dianette or handed Yasmin. And these people then are coming off it and they never had any skin issues before. And they're like, what the hell is going on? And their skin is breaking out. And the kind of false sense of security is that this normally doesn't happen for around six months post-pill. So a lot of people don't even really associate it with the pill. Yeah, because they're like, oh, that was ages ago. Um, but it's normally six months post-pill. And what happens is your oil, your body has to work. But when you're on the pill, your body works extra hard just to make a bit of oil because obviously oil is to nourish your skin as well. Mm-hmm. You come off the pill and it's like, if your body doesn't get the memo, like we actually don't need to work this hard anymore. And it overproduces oil. So I have loads of clients who are like, oh my God, Ash, my skin is so oily since coming off the pill. Now, the thing that helps that is your zinc. So if you go back to that yeah. again, you've no zinc, you're obviously going to have oilier skin. The pill depletes zinc absorption, such a vicious cycle there. And then testosterone surges then for about six months around six months post-pill. So I've had clients get misdiagnosed with things like PCOS, which is polycystic ovaries, which is high testosterone levels. You have acne, you have irregular cycles. Like some people I see their cycles are great for six months and then they go absolutely mental because mm-hmm. testosterone knocks off their period. Um, there's good and bad news in this because the good news is that it does go away. Like, you know, it does calm down, but it's generally 12 months post-pill. So wow. from six to 12 months, I'm like, all hell breaks loose for a lot of people. You just need to ride the wave. I help my clients. We come out of guns blazing with supplements, with herbs, with diet, supporting gut health. We throw literally everything at it. But I'm always just so honest as well. I'm like, you have to just let your body get through those six months. And 
the worst thing you can do nine months in is go back on the pill and I know it seems so appealing when your skin is so bad but like it's almost like you've gotten this far the ending is is nearly there that like once yeah like once we say 12 months but really 18 months post pill like things have calmed down and if your skin is still bad 18 months post pill then it's not the pill it's something else going on do you know yeah yeah so that, that's yeah. mad like because that can be so hard like I like I was saying at the start I don't get acne I might like get a spot or two the week before a period or something like that and um, I'm a picker as well so I will pick and probably spread them which is way worse but I, I've, I've been very lucky but for people who get like seriously bad acne that can be that can be really like disheartening um especially like that trying to you know go that long and being like trusting the process trusting the process um and I know when it comes to like skincare and stuff is it kind of a case where you can be doing all the skincare but like like you said it starts from within it starts from the root cause which is you know your immune health and your your gut health and stuff um is that kind of is that very much the case yeah like you know, skincare can be an amazing tool to help support the skin and to help to repair and help to get rid of that excess oil and going for facials and using the right products. But ultimately, like it's coming from the inside out. And even with like, you know, antibiotics, if you're having post pill acne from high testosterone levels and you're being prescribed antibiotics for that, it's not caused by bacterial overgrowth. It's caused by an increase in oil and increase in testosterone. So all an antibiotic is going to do, it's going to deplete your gut health even further. It's going to make your hormone intoxication worse. It's such a vicious cycle. So, um, sorry. Yeah. In the short term, skin product care products can be brilliant, but it's not, I find anyway, it's not enough on its own for something yeah. like post pill acne. Yeah, no, that's very, very interesting. Um, so another question that I think our listeners will find useful, because again, I know this is quite common and I don't know is it a case of maybe it was more common a few years ago and like that we're maybe moving with the times a little bit more but when it comes to Roaccutane I know that's a really for people with serious acne that's very much a, a protocol for people to be prescribed with and um, what what is it like what you know is it needed or you know from your experience can you get great results by working on you know the things like that from within as opposed to going on Rakuten yeah I guess I would always say use it as a last resort and for mm-hmm. some people they just need to go on it um I've seen cases where it doesn't always fix it as well so you need to be really really careful of that like again if your skin is from high testosterone levels and you're going to Rakuten which is actually it's a retinoid so Rakuten is a type of vitamin A and this is why when you're on Rakuten you have to take birth control right so mm-hmm. it's such a vicious cycle imagine you're 10 months off the pill your skin's gone mental you're like fuck this I can't do it anymore you go to a dermatologist they prescribe your Rakuten and they're like you need to be on the pill while you're on this and you go back on birth control. I'm like, what? Like, you know, that link to me is just absolutely crazy. They go back on Rakuten and then, you know, six months later, they want to come off that and come off the pill again. You know, it's it's it's, it's risky like business. back again. Yeah, it's risky business. Yeah. So Rakuten, like, but you have to be on birth control because it's such a toxic drug on your system. Like, if you looked up side effects of Rakuten, I remember seeing this years ago when I was training and it was like a picture of like the human body from head to toe and it arrows at every single area in the body. So it was like, it can cause reducing calcium and cause like bone health issues. It can affect immune system. It can impact your gut health. It can impact liver. It can impact pancreas. It can cause um, low mood. It causes things like dryness. So like cracked lips and it has high cholesterol, liver issues. Like there's so many 
side effects of Aracutane. So it is definitely something that, you know, really, really think about it before you go on to that drug. Um, and I would say try and get all the lifestyle medicine in gear first. So like you said, I have a whole podcast on acne as well that like, you know, all those topics I mentioned start like the, the three or four different root causes. Like I kind of deep dive into each of them. So like for anyone who's struggling with their skin, go and listen to that and tick all the boxes and be like, am I doing everything I possibly can do first? Mm-hmm. I always say, go get blood done, go and actually check your hormone levels, see exactly what's going on. And if you feel like I'm doing everything, nothing is working, then I think racketing can be really great for some people but just know it doesn't always work I've had clients been racked in two or three times mm. you know what I mean and it's what not frustrates- the point of it to keep yeah. going to it yeah and what frustrates me like actually I'm thinking about someone from last week she was on racketing it was her she was just finished her third round and she was just coming off and she booked him at me just to make sure she's like I'm terrified it's gonna go back again while mm. my skin is good what can I do to prevent it and when I say she was textbook snotty nose kid, like she had eczema, she had hay fever, she had her tonsils out when she was younger, she suffers with really, really heavy periods, and she's had acne since she was like 11 or 12. And for those people as well who get acne really young, like when puberty starts and that kind of thing, they're even the bigger red flags. I'm like, that's not something that just developed in your 20s. Like you've, this yeah. is something you've been eating. Like this is something that's been there for a long time. So for this girl, she's drinking pints of milk with dinner. She's so like, she's drinking whey protein, yogurts, cheese, so much dairy in her diet. And I'm just like, how can you have had acne? So I think she was 31. So it's 20 years of acne been to so many doctors so many specialists been on three rounds of roaccutane and no one has ever mentioned dairy to you and I've seen dairy be so controversial I've heard even dermatologists kind of slam it and be like Mm. but I'm like do you not work with clients like some things that when I see um research and then for me in clinical practice I'm like sometimes you actually need to go with your brain rather than what this paper is saying because I've seen it work do you know that way and I've seen it work with too many clients for that to be like you know that doesn't work right so for her I was just so frustrated with that because I'm like the poor girl and like that like years of her life that she so many years yeah exactly so it's just important to understand that racketing can be great but there is a lot of side effects. It really impacts gut health. You know, I recommend taking probiotics. It causes a lot of dryness. So omega-3 fish oils, like you mentioned earlier, are quite important on them as well. Mm. Obviously, you can't get pregnant. You know, you just need to really look after yourself, make sure your diet is good. You have to get liver function tests done every month to make sure your liver is handling it well. So it's no, it's not just a willy-nilly decision to make if you are no. going to go on it. Yeah. No. And, and like that, like I'm obviously not a doctor or a medical professional. So you know, I'm always cautious in what I say, but like, I think so many times, like we kind of said at the start, when I had that acne flare up, like it was straight medication, like antibiotic, that's, you know, what I'm going to be put on. And I just think it's really just like trying to be a quick fix. And it's not always about a quick fix. And we always think of that quick fix as the best possible route when in fact, you know, it can maybe be a little bit harder work in other areas or a little bit more patience, but usually like that when it comes to you know things like HA I feel is a little bit similar to this it's like always going to be not always but for a length of time it's going to be a work in progress and it requires a lot of patience rather than you know just being like what about the pill or mm-hmm. what about this antibiotic or what about this medication um so I can imagine that is probably a little bit frustrating for for you to kind of see like that with with people that come to work with you 
Yeah. And to be honest as well, when I look at the medical professional, I actually feel sorry for them. Like mm-hmm. I never see it like us versus them and me being like, I'm better than them doing this. And no, like, if you are in your GP's practice, they are so well-trained. Like they have done so many hours. They've spent so much money they're doing because they want to help people. They've put so mm-hmm. many hours into their vocation and you walk into them and you're bawling, crying and you're like, my skin is in bits. I don't want to leave my house. What can I do? They have nothing in their bag of tricks. They can give you the pill, they can give you antibiotics, or they can recommend a dermatologist to put you on Maracatine. They've probably never heard about cow's milk. They've probably never heard about zinc. They've probably never heard about probiotics. So it's like, it's almost not their fault. The same with hormonal imbalances. Like people go and they've no period or like that with HA. Oh, uh, we'll give you the pill to bring put you back what bring back your period like it's like they just don't understand so Mm. I feel bad for them because I'm like they do this because they want to help people it's the system that's wrong like the system is letting them down um so hopefully that will change kind of over years and kind of again what you're saying like for chronic illnesses and chronic issues medication's not really the answer like if you have tonsillitis oh my god go to your doctor and get an antibiotic for that Mm. right but if you have reoccurring tonsillitis every three weeks you know, something else going on there. Like, you know, the yeah. antibiotic, yeah, it will work, but it's come back in two weeks later. Or I had a girl this morning and she's been on reflux medication for the past three years. And I'm like, oh what doctor is constantly, like, as you know, what point do they not realize this isn't working? Like, you yeah. know, we need to look at yeah. what else is going on here. So for short-term illnesses, acute infections, medication's amazing. But mm. for long-term things, generally, it's not always the answer. Yeah. And I I think like I always imagine in an ideal world, like a GP would have a team of nutritionists, Mm, like even when it comes to being a personal trainer, like we can, you know, recommend exercises to get you stronger in the gym. But even when it comes to diet, we have to be so careful because we're not dietitians and we're not nutritionists unless you've done a a separate course um, or or you've studied years, you know, in college, Mm. which is really hard. But like that, you hear, you know, doctors and again by no means am I am I bad mouthing doctors but you hear them you know saying okay you know get a bit of exercise in walking is great or you know maybe like when it comes to younger people like oh strength training's bad for I was told by my doctor I hurt my back deadlifting and he was like you should never deadlift again and I was oh my god (laughs) I was like what now I was 17 17 at the time so I was really young and I didn't deadlift for like three years so yeah there's definitely I, I think in an ideal world we have this like great you know healthcare team which like you said it's going to take a while to to get Mm. that but it's hopefully hopefully going to be something when I was training when I was studying to be a nutritionist my lecturer was from Australia and I moved to Ireland and she used to work in a GP clinic and they'd be like get your prescription from the doctor and I go into Sandra and she'll tell you what medication you need to be on so even stuff like blood pressure medication block certain things oh you're on the contraceptive pill take this one like amazing like that makes so much sense and not only like what supplements to take but then dietary requirements alongside the medication like such an integrative approach of like everything together so yeah I mean and so that was Australia yeah. did you say in Australia yeah yeah so like yeah I don't know it's a country thing or it's a world yeah. thing but she was like she was like Ireland is 20 years behind Australia wow. like and this was that was 2014 so maybe we're only like what 10 years behind them now oh but she she was like I can't believe like she met an Irish guy moved back here and they got married and settled here but she's like I can't get over like she was a herbalist and she's a naturopath 
And she was like, when I moved to Ireland, she was like, people just didn't know what that was. And even now me being a herbalist, people are like, ah, like people aren't really fully sure of what that means. Well, I actually she's didn't like, know you were a herbalist. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh my God, herbal medicine's like a whole other ball game. But like in Australia, she was like, oh, everyone just knows what that is. She's yeah. Like an art- it's like you're going back literally 20 years. She's like reminding me of being you know what I mean growing up in Australia not realizing it so. yeah yeah no that's it, it is mad. even like I talk all day about when it comes to the gym and people's you know people's idea around the gym like you know something that I was trying to you know introduce was like teenagers lifting weights you can't lift weights until you're over 16 and I'm like but it's so beneficial for even just like your confidence, like, because you will get 14, 15 year olds trying to go into the gym and trying to lift weights. And it's like, oh, we're so behind. There's so many things that, you know, we can work on. But as we say, it's, it's a work in progress. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think everything that you've, you know, listed there and talked about, like, it really, you know, has, I think, and I hope set people that, you know, plan that's like work from within, you know, it will be a process. It will take time, but hang in there. And as you said, like ride the wave, like stick with it. Um, so all of that information was absolutely incredible. Thank you so, so much for, for coming on. Is there anything else that, um, you know, you'd like to add or, or something that, um, is worth our, our listeners knowing, um, when it comes to working through their acne or, or helping through their acne? Um, I guess be patient. I think, you know, I see some people and they're like, oh, that product didn't work for me. And they're trying something else or like doing what their friend did or like get advice on it. Because there is, like we've mentioned, so many different root causes that like your friend might have bacterial acne from poor gut health because she had 50 antibiotics when she was a kid. Do you get me? Mm-hmm. So like what's going to work for her might not work for you. So I think like get proper advice. Skin takes at least 30 days to react to certain things. So like whether it's a new skincare product or even the supplements I give or change a diet, like it really takes 30 days to really notice a difference. So just be patient with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, try not to give up hope I suppose and like if you're coming off the pill hang in there if your skin is flaring out you'll look back I get so many messages honestly my favorite emails together so I have DMs together people being like thank you so much for your podcast like because on that I'm like hang in there like please ride the wave and um, they're like thank you so much for encouraging me to stay on like you know I'm 18 months post pill now my skin is perfect and Brilliant. like it's just a matter of just getting to that point yeah yeah easier said than done but I yeah. know 100% Definitely. yeah take it for, take it from Ashling. yeah <laughs> um, Ashling, thank you so much for coming on to chat before we wrap up I just have a couple of rapid fire questions to ask you and okay. um, I always say they're really simple questions but then it does get people thinking so number one what is your favorite breakfast Ooh, my favorite breakfast I think just eggs maybe like eggs and salmon good yeah. choice very good yeah choice. uh number two your favorite music artist Oh, who's my favorite artist at the moment? I love house music. I know that's so random. Wow, that is very random. Yeah, I know. It's so my husband always likes me. Like, I'm making like eggs and toast in the morning and I literally <laughs> listen to like really heavy like house music. It's so brilliant. I'm like my Raven 20s. Um, who do I love at the moment? My brain has gone blank now. Um, I, love Gorgon. I love Gorgon City. That's one of my favorite like house music people the weekend I think the weekend is probably one of my favorites yes I, even though it's not house if it was just like a normal like cleaning the house yeah I you're going to a concert or yeah or going for a walk I probably or like listen to music in the car probably the amazing yeah 
And <laughs> lastly, what is your favorite book? It doesn't have to be health related, but it can be if you want. So I read a book year is actually last um, year. We're still in lockdown. It's called The Nightingale. Have you ever read that before? Somebody literally just recommended that book to me and they said it is it's their favorite book. And they said when I say like it never has left me like that book. And I read it when like we were like couldn't go beyond 5K. And I was like, it's actually it's about two sisters in World War II, in World War Two. And I was like, well, do you know what? We're not in World War Two. Like, it just don't be like, it was, but they're actually making it into a film or the other one that is actually like, to this day, it like has unnerved my cell is American Dirt. Have you read that one? No, I haven't. That's brilliant. It's about like a woman who, um, they're fleeing Mexico from basically like the cartel. She's trying to get her son out of Mexico to get to America. Mm. And it's like their journey to get there. It is unbelievable. Oh, I love like, the sign of that. I don't read. I actually don't read like self-help books or anything anymore because I'm just like, I just need my brain to switch off. I don't need to constantly yeah. bettering myself. I think it's so exhausting having to that I'm the time. same. I used to be so like business books and health yeah. books. And then it was like, you know what? Like it kind of was taking the fun out of it for me mm-hmm. because I love learning about that. But like that's my study time. Whereas I like to separate my reading time as like my downtime. Yeah, that's exactly what I do as well. So you should put them on your list, The Nightingale and American Absolutely. Dirt. They're so, so good. You'll love both of them amazing thank you so much and lastly Ashling, where can our listeners find out more about you be it you know instagram your website uh, if you're on tiktok or anywhere else yeah so my instagram is aok nutrition um my website's also aok nutrition and then i also have uh, my own podcast called spilling the tea with aok nutrition so you'll get me any of those great podcasts really really thank you thank you so Ashling, thank you so much for coming on the podcast you have had some great tips and yeah thank you so much thank you so much much for having me that was great job thanks Mill. i hope you enjoyed that podcast with ashling and no doubt you took plenty of helpful tips from it because i definitely did if you found it useful i would love for you to share it with your friends your family or anyone else you think might find it useful as this really helps in growing the podcast for more info make sure to follow me on instagram at vicky cornick as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore ie This is where you can also check out our 28-day trial that we run for half price. And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which include some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.